Pulp MX Network Production. Welcome to the Pulp Hockey Show with Steve Mathis. Support the show by clicking the Amazon banner on PulpHockey.com before shopping. Follow the show on Twitter at Pulp Hockey. Subscribe on iTunes and find us on Stitcher or your favorite podcast app. Welcome, everybody, to the Pulp Hockey Podcast Show. Yeah, it's August, but it's getting near the end of August, and uh, so we'll start firing up the shows more regularly here shortly and uh, and give you guys a, a, your weekly dose of hockey uh, uh, info. Um, World Cup coming up, too, so that's going to be interesting. Uh, two Under, the best men's underwear out there. A lot of NHL guys wear Two Under, and, uh, again, you got to try them out. It's the best underwear out there. If you go to twounder.com, two, the number two, UNDR.com, use the code FERRARO20 to save your yourself money and uh, please check them out uh they're great guys and uh, they support this show and you should support them so with me on the line is a former nhler longtime phoenix coyote color analyst and a real entertaining guy between the benches uh, each game uh, tyson nass what's up nasher how are you not too much that's the first i've heard of uh that underwear i gotta i gotta check it out ah, well, well, he's a big fan of, of of good support i'll get you some and besides you know ferraro you roomed with him you said so. Yeah, I did. Unfortunately, right. I did. Unfortunately, <laughs> I did, and uh, I, I've seen all too much. Bigger. So I, don't, I don't think he ever wore underwear. So I'm glad he's supporting it. Uh, yeah, a, he's a sight for sore eyes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, bigger, bigger pain in the ass in the room. Noodles or, or Ferraro? Oh, geez. You know what? Uh, Ferraro was at the end of his career. He was he was winding it down when I, when I played with him in, in St. Louis. Um, you know, so he was, uh, you know, he was kind of on the way out. Yep. yep. Um, I would have loved to play with him back in his heyday. I can, I can tell you that unreal dude, unreal player. What a career, but uh, I got to give it to noodles. The guy just, uh, he can talk a a starving dog off a meat wagon. This guy, (laughs) he just never, never shuts up. He's always got a story. He's always ripping on, on you or, or, or somebody and busting. Ball, so it's it's fun. I, I I love that man. Yeah, I've heard you a lot on uh, on Overdrive, their TSN show. He's always chirping you, always, even when you're not even on. They're they're, they're making fun of your tan. They're making fun of something. Man, Noodles is leading yeah. the charge. So yeah, easy target. I uh, I always say big target if you're you're talking about my nose. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, well, hey, thanks for doing this. Appreciate it. We'll get into your career a little bit. I got some questions about uh, uh, your career and you played with St. Louis, of course, President's winning team, and a little bit about the game itself. But I want to talk Coyotes to start. How tired are you? You've been doing this for a long time. First, you started off in radio, and now uh, you're on TV. You got to get tired of talking about the Coyotes' future in Phoenix slash Glendale, right? Like, is, is are we finally over that? Well, I sure hope so. No one was happier to to uh, to see a team moved uh, moved to Vegas with the expansion than mm-hmm. I was. Yeah. <laughs> that's where we were always going. We were going to Vegas. Yeah. I mean, I would love to go to Vegas. Sure, yeah. Wrong, but <laughs> my first uh, my first love here is, is Arizona. Um, you know, and, and we have a, a wonderful ownership group mm-hmm. uh, at the at the charge of things right now. Uh, they got a ton of dough. They got a, a great business model. They know how to make money. 
Um, you know, so things are on the right track here. I think we can all rest easy and God, uh, dude. You know, I just appreciate the product. I can't handle another story about the, about the Phoenix Coyotes. You know, yeah, uh, nobody can. Nobody wants to talk about it. Right. Um, how do you feel about the arena situation? Obviously, I've been out to Glendale. Uh, I've been to the few games out there, and uh, I, I wasn't around when they played. Uh, you know, in Scottsdale. Um, there's talk of them moving back downtown. Is that something you would like to see? Do you think it's needed, or, or is this Glendale? I mean, Glendale Arena and the shopping center and everything around there is awesome. It's just everyone gets pissed about the drive. But what's your thoughts on it? Well, I, you know, I always equate it. I mean, first of all, it was, it was never about a, a hockey decision to move the team out there, let, let's be honest. Yep. We were downtown. I was part of the Coyotes when we were downtown. It was unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Besides the fact that you had a, a ton of seats uh, – that uh, you you couldn't see the one uh, the one end of the ice. And right. that, that was an issue because it was built for basketball. So sure. you knew you had to do something. Unfortunately, it was more about a real estate deal mm-hmm. than it was about about the hockey team in itself. And I think the team has suffered ever since because now you're taking a team and you're moving it as far west as you can possibly move it mm-hmm. in Arizona, and you're expecting all your fans to come. Well, that's obviously not happened. Uh, we lost a lot of fans along the way. Uh, we tried to rebuild the fan base out in Glendale, um, you know, the best uh, that we could, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and, and let's face it, we've had a couple good years, but we've struggled. Um, so the, the product uh, up until now, the last, uh, you know, few years hasn't been great. So right. now there's a, a lot of excitement. Because they got the best prospects in the entire NHL. So, you know, the future is bright, but, yeah, I think ultimately the the best if you could pick up the best scenario, mm-hmm. it would absolutely to be more you know south yeah. uh, southeast where our fans used to be Mesa, Clend or Goodyear, yeah. uh, Chandler, all those places out there. You know, uh, Old Town Scottsdale. There's there's bars, there's restaurants right, all around right. there. I mean, it's just. It's been a, a real predicament, but uh, but things are are moving forward, and uh, they're looking very bright here. But I always say too, like, and you played in the league when Chicago was a ghost town, and um, Florida uh, certainly had a nice success last year. Apparently, the fans are coming back in, and we've seen it time and time again. Winning. Look here. at Ottawa. I mean, it Ottawa. doesn't work in yeah. Canada. Yeah. I mean, we all know hockey in Canada, and it doesn't work in Ottawa. Ottawa has to get downtown again. Yeah. So if it doesn't work in Canada, how does it work in Arizona when there's a million other things to do here besides watch hockey? Yeah. Well, I was going to say, too, that winning helps. Winning helps. Um, yeah. You know, and so, you know, yeah, you're out in Glendale, but if you got, and certainly, again, we'll talk, we'll talk a little bit about uh, Coyotes because they are looking uh, good. They have some great players coming up and had a solid year. But winning could turn everything around. No one, no, no one would talk about that. I think, anyways. Well, without a doubt, you look at Chicago. You look at Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, right, I mean, yeah. you get fire off a cannon in there. They're ban- <laughs> they're in bankruptcy. All of a sudden, you get Sidney Crosby, and everything turns around. Right. Chicago, the same thing. I mean, yeah. uh, there was empty sections in Chicago. Believe it or not, I know that was more of a TV deal, and the fans kind of going against the uh, the owner at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's all obviously since changed and they've uh, won some championships pretty good team and good product on the ice but you got to win if you're not winning people just aren't going to pay the ticket prices to come come watch a bunch of losers and uh, that's what's exciting 
here in Arizona is we have a new GM. We got a coach that signed long term. We got the best captain in the National Hockey League. We have probably one of the best uh, defensemen in the National Hockey League, and Oliver Ekman Larson. Mm-hmm. We got the best prospects in the NHL. So things are looking up here and everybody, the, the town is buzzing. Everyone can't wait for the season to start. Yeah, yeah, it should be good. Uh, like I said, it, it looks like a team on the rise. Uh, I think the big news this summer, uh, or before the summer, was Don Maloney, longtime GM, getting let go. Dave Tippett takes more of a role uh, in player personnel. He's the coach and he's done a great job over the years. John Chaka, Chaka, how do you say that? Chaka? Chaka, yeah. Chaka. He comes in as the youngest general manager in history and I guess I didn't even know this, Nasha, but clearly there was some sort of power struggle with Maloney and Tippett, and Mal- and Tippett won, I guess, huh? Did, did you was that was this move a hundred percent surprising to you? I mean, you're on the inner workings of the team, or did they, did you kind of see this coming? Well, you know, obviously when you you don't have success, I mean, someone's uh, heads on the chopping block, and uh, you know, unfortunately, it was Don Maloney. But more importantly, I mean, Don was a great guy. He mm-hmm. did a, an amazing job. He, he got the team and put them in a, in a real good position. Um, you know, and I guess oftentimes losing does that. But he got the prospects that, that I've been talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, that's what I'm saying. It was know, turning around. But, yeah, it was. Right. And, yeah. and it was. But, you know, I think moving forward, you know, everybody, and I don't know the, the inner workings of their relationship. I, I really don't. I, I wasn't privy to that uh, information. I just put a smile on my face, throw a suit on, and uh, <laughs> and, and talk about the, the team and, and what I see on the ice. Uh-huh. But, uh, I think what I've seen since the firing has just has blown me away. You look at the John Chaika, and you talked about his age. He was 26 years old, 27 now. Yeah. I mean, this is a guy, he wasn't phased by it. He's got a huge title, uh, a lot of pressure, and a lot of prospects. So mm-hmm. now it's it's time to win. I mean, this you can't wait for four years now. The, the time is now to win. And with that comes pressure. And uh, he's pulled the trigger on some real big moves. Yeah, He didn't sit back. He didn't bide his time. Uh, the first move, when he takes over, he brings in Galagoski. Right. And he, he filled a huge hole that the Coyotes had on their blue line. Oliver ekman Larson. One of the best defensemen takes on way too much pressure, plays too many minutes. Offensively, he's counted on too much. Defensively, you got to bring a guy in. Goligoski was the guy. Then he signs him to a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. They bring him into town, him and his wife. They're, they're wowing him. They're showing them the city, the, mm-hmm. the, the sites, where he could potentially live. It's a slam dunk. Anyone, any player that comes here and sees what Arizona has to offer, it is a slam dunk. And he signed, by the way, on the hottest day, I think it was 120 <laughs> degrees uh, in the summer. He signed a five-year deal. So that's commitment. But uh, the Coyotes are obviously uh, excited. Then he moves up in the draft and picks uh, Chikrin, mm-hmm. uh, Jacob Chikrin, which uh, he's going to be a stud for a long, long time. Big, heavy defenseman, little nasty, mean streak. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited with the moves that the Coyotes have made, and that's just a couple of them. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. Luke Shen gets uh, kind of claimed um, to you know rebuild himself. Uh, Verbata's back. Verbata had his uh, best success in uh, under Tippett, so he's back. And yeah, some of the moves were, were pretty good. Uh, Galagoski, what did kind of come out of nowhere? Um, again, maybe you, you know you're you're smarter than me, more plugged in than me. But when I heard that, I'm like, because they traded for his rights, correct? Before the the signing period, they did. Yeah, and then they I'm did, and that's and that's where Dave Tippett. I mean, I don't know the relationship again with Don Maloney and Tip, but uh, this this deal and Chaika talked about it a lot. He mm-hmm. said, "Hey, I'm not a hockey expert, 
You know, I'm an analytics ex- expert. I need guys. I need help. I need, I'm going to rely on everybody in this organization. I don't care if it's a trainer or what. <laughs> if they got a good scoop and a. Did he say uh, you? Did you he know, say your name? Did he say I don't care if it's Texas Nash? Uh, he didn't, believe it or not. He didn't. He didn't. <laughs> I got to give it to him for that. But uh, uh, he did give me a two year contract, so I can't. Uh, oh, you know, sweet. Awesome. But uh, no, I, yeah. and he relies on Dave Tippett. So they have mm-hmm. a really good relationship along with Gary Drummond. Uh, who's who's running the the entire show? One of our owners. So, you know, Dave Tippett knows Galagoski. He, you know, he coached him in Dallas, right. I believe. So there's a relationship there, and uh, and he used that relationship to to get a guy in here and get him signed long term. And sometimes that's what it takes. And obviously, Cheka listened, and uh, we got a great uh, great defenseman for years to come. Were you surprised at Max uh, Domi, uh, his success last year? He started off strong. Obviously, he's a rookie, and you know what it's like to play in the league, and the games add up quickly. But, um, I mean, obviously, he was you know touted to be pretty good, but uh, this kid was dynamite, man. Every time I watch highlights of his goals, I'm like, oh, look at that shot. Oh, look at that move. Like, the guy was stellar. Uh, surprised to you, or, or what would you think? Um, no, not really. No. I mean, not when you watch this kid, uh, you know, go about his business, how he is mentally. That's the biggest thing for me. And, you know, when you, you can't underestimate uh, or whatever I'm trying to say here with, you know, a player that has grown up in that environment. Obviously, he's been at the rink uh, in Toronto. He's on the ice every day with his father as a kid. He's around that atmosphere, and mm-hmm. that is huge. There, there's no shock. There's no transition. He just thinks he's going to be in the NHL, and eventually when he is, and he, you know, which was last mm-hmm. year, he wasn't, he wasn't shocked. He wasn't in awe. Um, you know, he had a great rookie season, and I think that's just, uh, you know, just scraping the surface of yeah. what this kid's about. Just because today's NHL is all about speed, all about skill, and he has a ton of it. You mentioned the highlight reels. I mean, we talk about this kid every single night, yeah. and every yeah. single night he's bringing, bringing you right out of your seat. You're waiting every time he steps on the ice for something amazing to happen, and we saw that a lot, along with him and mm-hmm. Anthony DeClaire, who they have great chemistry together. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the two-on-ones, it reminded me of Gretzky and Curry. I mean, it was automatic. They yeah. are automatic. And not only automatic, they're not just getting a, the, the seventh goal and a 7-2 win. They're, mm-hmm. they're getting the, the game-tying goal, the, you know, the uh, the game-winning goal. That's the type of goals that these two kids scored last year, and that's big. Mm-hmm, no doubt. Um, and you were probably like, okay, wait, are you sure your dad is Ty? Are you really sure <laughs> your dad is Ty? You know what? Everyone <laughs> says that. But you know what? I played against them. You're right. And this guy just loved to fight. He just loved to fight. That's, that was his only problem. He was too good of a teammate. Yeah, yeah. Anyone got touched, he went out there and settled the score. And he didn't lose many fights, I can tell you that. But this yeah. guy, he could play the game. He could skate as fast as he anyone. Skate, and yeah. there was times yeah. when Pat Quinn played him a lot with uh, Matt Sundin and mm-hmm. buddies. So You're right. Yep. He, could, he could keep up. Yeah, I, uh, I'm a Leaf fan, so I watched him a lot over the years. He, I, we, he could play. He could play, for sure. Yeah. Um, is Mike Smith the goalie? Of the future, uh, a couple years ago, uh, not very good, uh, not a very good year. Generally speaking, very good goalie. A little bit of a bounce back last year, a very good year for him. But big contract, older guy. Um, what do you think? Well, I, I obviously you're going to make the playoffs, and your team has a, has a chance. You need your goaltender. That's mm-hmm. the, the most important position. I, I think he's on a real, real short leash yep. uh, at this stage. Um, just what he's gone through. Um, but saying that, I mean, when, when Mike Smith is on, you know, he's a, he's a top 10 goalie. Mm-hmm. He's a top 10 goalie in the league when he's on. But when he's off, uh, you know, he's been really off. And we saw what he's capable of when he took this team single-handedly to the Western Conference Finals. 
you know, took out Chicago in the first round. That was that was some of the best goaltending I've ever seen in my entire life. So you know he's capable of it. Right. Uh, you know, he, he had off-season surgery. Um, he's healthy now. Obviously, uh, I've had that surgery as well, so that can be a nagging thing. Can't even imagine for a goaltender what he has went through. So he's healthy. Um, but he, but mentally, between the years, that's what it's about for Mike Smith. They just need him to be average. Yep. They just need him to go out there and, and have average stats. If he has a bad game, shake it off, mm-hmm. go out there and, and get it done the next night. And I know he knows that. Uh, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not uh, speaking to the choir here. So, but yeah. he's he's a great goaltender. Yeah, you, you're right. He's capable of stealing games for sure. And you've seen it. You know, uh, for years he was great. So, um, and Tippett, Dave Tippett, um, you've played for Quinville, uh, one of the best, one of the all timers. Um, you know, doing his thing in St. Louis when you were there, and now uh, Chicago. And Tippett, what do you? I think they're kind of the same guy style-wise a little bit. Do you agree? I don't know personality. I don't know them at all or anything like that. But do you think uh, – um, are they similar coaches? Well, they, I think they are very much so. Right. I think Joel, obviously, uh, when he played, um, they're very similar players. Except yep. Joel was a defenseman and, and Tip was a, was a forward. But they had that defensive mentality. You know, it was defense first and – uh, that backside pressure and, you know, it's just uh, Joel was one of the best coaches, the best coach I ever had. Was it? Yeah. Um, Joel was like that because it was about communication. You always knew where you stood with Joel. Uh, and you, you would think that players would always know, you know, if they played good or bad. But a lot of times there's guys that are walking around a locker room going, oh, man, I wonder what the GM thinks. I wonder what the coach is thinking right now. <laughs> right. Do they like me? Do they hate me? And a lot of times coaches don't communicate. They, they they really don't. Yeah. And then assistants month, do or whatever. Yeah. Season, yeah. You're traded and you're like, what the heck? Why wouldn't you tell me that you didn't like? I mean, <laughs> right. there is no second guessing, and yeah. that's what makes Dave Tippett and Quinville so special. Is that you're you're not second guessing yourself. You know where you stand at all times, and that's all you want as a player. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You're right about that. Almost in today's NHL, it's almost more important, right? Than I mean, the old guys kind of ruled on fear, right? Nowadays, it's like, hey, talk to these guys. Right, yeah. right. I mean, and fear. I couldn't imagine. And I, you know, I played for coaches like that, mm-hmm. and it's amazing. I coach kids now, and you know, I'm just like, who works good under that type of atmosphere? <laughs> right, who works right. good getting yelled at every time you come off the ice yeah. and belittled and and ripped on in front of your teammates? Yeah. Nobody does. Yeah. I don't care what industry you're in, you know, what job you have. Yeah. If you have a coach that talks to you, communicates with you, and pats you on the back, gives you support. It uh, doesn't kick you when you're down. You will go through a wall, and you will fight anybody for that coach. And unfortunately, that's how I earned my nose because uh, <laughs> I love Joel Quindle. Yeah. And I would have done anything for him. Unfortunately, I picked the wrong door on a number of occasions, and uh, <laughs> now i got an elbow on my face. Right. Uh, hey, you won Memorial Cups with Shane Doan, right? I mean, he, it's good to say that it's probably uh, fair to say that he's, he's a good buddy of yours, correct? He is, yeah. We've known he, uh, each other since, uh, I believe, he was ten, and I was okay. uh, I was twelve. So yeah, so a long time. I cover I cover Supercross and Motocross riders, and, and uh, I used to be in the trenches as a mechanic on these teams, and I know some of them personally. Uh, I still know them as a media guy, and uh, go up for I went to dinner with them, and and but I have to look at them objectively and write, hey, this guy's struggling. This guy's not riding very well. Um, you know, this guy uh, you know took this guy out with an aggressive pass that was over the line or whatever. I have to say these kind of things on podcasts, and I got to write these things. And you're between the benches now. Look, Don's a great player. Uh, there's no no doubt about that. He's been he's an icon. He's a franchise icon. But how do you balance that, Nasher, with like, oh man, I got to go over to his dinner tomorrow night. But you know, really, don't miss his man there. How do you how do you balance that? 
Well, you know what? It's easy and it's funny. When I first took the job, this is this is the kind of guy he is. Okay. He comes to me. He knows my job. He, I mean, this is a guy who just gets it. He he, yep. he understands everyone's situation and and you know moving mm-hmm. forward. He comes to me and says, "You know what? I know you're going to have to rip on me. I want you to rip on me. <laughs> when I deserve it, I want you to rip on me because okay. I probably deserve it." And you know what? I respected that. I'll never forget that. And now I do it all the time just because, <laughs> just <laughs> yeah, because like, I can. Right. It's nice to have the last word all the time. Right. And, uh, and he can't do anything about it. But, you know, unfortunately, um, you know, he, he's, uh, he doesn't make a lot of mistakes. No. 28 goals last year, uh, the best leader in, I think, all pro sports. Uh, he's, uh, you know, how he lives his life is how, uh, how everybody should live their life. I, yeah. I mean, it's just you can't say a bad word about him. But on that note, the issues that I do have, with players mm-hmm. and guys that I know are not with the players, never with the players. Cause oftentimes when oh. I rip on them, I'll get on the plane and I'll go right up to them and go, Oh yeah. man, I carved you a little bit tonight. Right. The, the, the issue is Girl, the wives. wives, girlfriends. Oh, oh dude. I walk through the hallways or past the wives' room, and if they've had a rough stretch oh, or a rough month, dude. I am getting the stink eye like no one's business, and they want to freaking tear my head off. So I'm so relieved that it's the same in your sport as in my sport. Yeah. 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 Parents, yeah. parents yeah. and wives, man. Right? Parents and wives, yeah. <laughs> and then they forget that you, you just, you know, you yeah. just bumped up their tires for, uh, you know. Three games, yeah, yeah, three, yeah. Three games in right. a row, right. And yeah. That's, yeah. I, that's what I want to do, and that's what I want to tell them. And when I get a chance, sometimes I do. I'm like, listen, I want to, I want to, you know, pat yeah. your husband on the back all day long. I want to, you know, stroke him and you know, yeah, pat his head and you know all that stuff. <laughs> but I, when he makes a mistake, well, I can't. The reason I brought that up is because I do watch a fair amount of Coyotes games because it's a nice, uh, uh, you know, they're on later uh, here. I live in Vegas, so I watch uh, your games, and I feel like there are a lot of Homer dudes, no doubt. And you can tell you're a Phoenix guy. You want the Coyotes to do well, but at the same time, I have heard you say, like, oh, that that guy would wish he would have that playback. That's a goal. That that goal should stop or whatever, and that's not always easy to do. Not everybody does it that way. Well, and I think you can agree. I mean, our fans aren't stupid. I mean, yeah, people yeah. aren't stupid. They yeah. they know when there's a mistake. And then if I'm sitting there on the TV going, oh, well, uh, you know, he didn't make that big of a mistake. Or, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's just, it's embarrassing. You lose all credibility. Yeah. So You've got to keep credibility. That's number one in our job. And, um, again, you do work for the yeah. team. Um, but uh, it's it's got to also be a, a good broadcast. And our owners, uh, they appreciate that. They respect uh, respect that. And uh, there's a, again, communication is the biggest thing. Yep. If I'm you know too negative or, or too positive one way, they're the first ones to to tell me to to tone it down and uh, just to make sure that we have a, a great broadcast. Yeah, no doubt. We we just had an incident in in, uh, in our series. Uh, a father contacted the team because he saw on TV one of the team members he didn't feel was cheering as hard for his son as he was cheering for the other teammates. And you're just, and so they were like, well, does he have a problem with oh. my son? I'm just like, oh, my God, these guys. Oh God. <laughs> so. yeah, parents should never get involved, first of all. I mean, <laughs> if, if you want your son to, to have any respect, just mm-hmm. tell your parents to keep their noses out of it. I know. It's, it's tough. Well, classic, especially when you're classic. coaching, right? When you're coaching, you're now you're involved in this a little bit. Um, yeah. Oh, and I can't believe how involved parents are. <laughs> um, hey, you're, you're former NHL. You played a lot of games in the league. Uh, now you're a broadcaster, and you you talk to a lot of fans, I imagine, uh, whether it's fan fests or, or in the in the concourses or wherever, uh, shopping, doing whatever. Um, what's something 
what's something me, like a guy who's on the outside of watching hockey all the time and been a fan all his life, or, you know, these people you talk to that are Phoenix Coyote fans, what's something that they have no idea um, about NHL players? What's something where you're like, look, I, you know, these guys in the room, you know, like, you know, we just had an incident where uh, uh, two teammates got into a little uh, scuffle and uh, people were in baseball in the clubhouse and uh, in Oakland and they were saying, oh, that happens all the time. You know, no big deal. Like, obviously, this one got out and ESPN reported it and everything else. But what's something that fans of hockey just, you know, you always have to tell them about? Well, I, I think, yeah, I think that's probably part of it and is the fact that, you know, there is a, a lot of stuff that happens you know, um, behind the scenes, uh, fans don't often get to watch practices very often. Mm-hmm. I remember growing up in, in junior, and, and we had at least a, a fight or two every single practice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's how in, intense things were. And mm-hmm. Same with the NHL. I, I remember uh, I, fought, I fought Brad Ferentz four times in one practice. I mean, the coaches <laughs> just finally had to kick us off the ice and, and, and separate us because that's just how, how it went. And, you know, it's not that I hated them at all. It was just you know, things get heated. I mean, this, you're playing at the highest level uh, in the world. And uh, mm-hmm. I think the other thing on top of that is um, fans always see the finished product. They see the games. They, they're watching on TV. They're watching at the arena. And they don't understand all the work that goes into it mm-hmm. uh, to get a hockey player to that level. I, I personally think, uh, I know I'm a little biased, but hockey players are the best athletes in the world. You have to be. You have to be the most conditioned um, just because of the physical demand uh, and how many games you play every year. And, you know, the summer, fans don't realize. They think, ah, oh, hockey players get four or five months off. Well, those four or five months, they're not off. I can tell yeah. you what, that's when yeah. the work starts. And that's where you get your body, you know, you're, you're putting on 10, 15 pounds to make sure that you can last throughout the winter. It's kind of like a bear, you know, <laughs> as you right. get ready to hibernate. you yeah. you got to put the muscle on. you got to put the weight on. And you got to make sure you get your strengths up so that you can get through a season and, and handle the grueling schedule. Yeah, people don't really realize that. And more than ever, uh, these guys are hitting the gym. They're like what off for two, three weeks, and they're they're right in the gym after the season stops, right? Yeah, it's a it is a grind. I, I loved it, uh, and it's a balance too. I mean, mm-hmm. you can't burn out. The the season is such a grind that you can't work out like like you want to. Yeah, I had the hardest time. I'd come in at you know just under two hundred pounds, and I'd I'd finish at you know one hundred and eighty. I mean, I'm yeah, almost yeah. losing 20 pounds during the season. I turn into a skinny fat man. <laughs> yes, I'm in, in great skating shape, yeah. but strength-wise, oh my god, I, you know, I, yeah, it's, uh, it's, yeah. Do do you remember the shots of Gilmore by the end of those Maple Leaf runs? Like there was nothing oh, yeah. to the guy, you know. You're he like was... a bag of bag of milk. Right. You know? you're, you're white as a ghost. You lost your your good summer tan, and yeah, yeah. Uh, you're a skinny fat man. You just rub rub the belly for luck, you know. <laughs> um. Uh, you were a radio guy, I think, when Gretzky was a coach, right? You were you were still you were on the beat then. Uh, yeah, I yeah. played for for Wayne uh, for two seasons, um, and then obviously uh, I, thought you were Bob well, Fra- and... I thought you were Bob Francis days. I'm sorry, I should have checked this better. Well, I was Bobby uh, was oh, okay. the first year, um, yep. and then uh, and then Wayne took over, and uh, yeah, so it was uh, it, it was interesting to say the least. It was, uh, it I, was pretty special. Yeah, I did a, I did a podcast with Mike Johnson, who played also on that team, and he just said like. Wayne would yell at everybody, and they're just like, I can't believe Wayne Gretzky is yelling at us. I'm so, le- like, I'm bummed. I can't, I'm depressed. Wayne Gretzky hates me. 
Um, he said oh, about, he had a hard time getting tell over that. Tell me about it. You're, <laughs> tell me about it. He's the guy who sent me to sent me packing. He sent me to the miners. I mean, it was the. Right. I still haven't got over it. Oh my God! I mean, we, we had to have a, a little sit down. Little intervention. Tired. Right. Yeah. I mean, I just I was crying on his shoulder. Wayne, how could you do it? I had your I had Wayne Gretzky wallpaper, Wayne Gretzky bedsheets as a kid growing up in Edmonton. And oh yeah. This is what this right. is my childhood hero, and he just ripped my heart out. Dude, right? So what was he like? Was I mean, look, he didn't have a lot of success. The team wasn't great. But, I mean, was he a good coach? Uh, was he, you know, Mike Johnson said, like, he wore it, man. He wore it all the time. Like, he uh, he lived it. It, it, it. He cared very, very much about it. And, uh, and, and yeah, he was into it. Wow, he, he definitely was. And, and he did. And Mike Johnson is, is dead on. Um, you know, I, I think that, um, I think the big thing with Wayne is that, it's a full-time job, first of all, being Wayne Gretzky. Right, right. You know, I, I mean, it really is, and um, I, you know, I just, I think it was, it was tough. And you look at players, and you know, great players in particular. You look at all the great coaches mm-hmm. in the league for the most part, and they're always the grinders, the the guys that had to pay attention to every single detail of the game mm-hmm. in order to just survive. Well, Wayne you know, was the best player in the world, best player of all time in, in my mind. And things a lot of times just came natural. You know, I, you know, you ask him about a power play and he's like, oh, I you know, yeah, I don't, know. I don't really, really know how to break it down individually. <laughs> I, you know, they just gave me the puck and I just scored or I yeah. set somebody up to score. So, you know, a lot of times it's like me for skating. It's like, you know, I, I know how to skate, but I, I wouldn't have the, you know, I wouldn't have an, a great idea at least uh-huh. uh, to teach someone how to skate, but I think if he would have, you know, lasted longer as a coach, he would have been an unbelievable coach. But a lot of times, you just see guys that are are unreal players at their mm-hmm. at their uh, their sport, and it doesn't always transition. And uh, you know, it was, yeah. but it was. There is not a, a nicer man. There is not a more generous man. And there's not a guy that that can tell stories like Wayne Gretzky. Oh, I, I bet. I thoroughly bet. enjoyed my time just sitting there. It was mandatory. <laughs> Every time we got to the hotel, as not players, the yeah. players would go up to the room and go for dinner. But as management and as broadcasters and training yeah. staff, yeah. you had to go and sit down and have a drink, have a Coke, have a water. It didn't matter. You had to come be a part of that team. And that was pretty special. And that showed me why the Edmonton Oilers for all those years or every team that we yeah. played on was always so close and so tight. He got what it was about to be a team team guy. Yeah, you'd come off the ice and he'd be like, Nash, why didn't you see that guy over behind your shoulder <laughs> like drifting in? And you're like, I don't know, bro. Like, I know you would oh, I see know. him. Like, I, he must have shook his head at me, right. you know, nights. And I knew it. I'd come back to the bench and he'd be just shaking his head because I'm running around like a – like a donkey and yeah. trying to hit everything that moves. He's like, yeah. you know, there's a puck out there, right? I mean, it just, <laughs> I, it just, yeah, I don't think he ever understood what I exactly What your deal what was. What, yeah, what your deal was. He's like, <laughs> but you're like, look, Tikkanen, man. I'm trying to be like Tikkanen. Right? Yeah, you remember T? Come on. Right. Uh, uh, um, that'd be that'd be awesome. When you were a kid growing up at Edmonton, I mean, obviously he's a uh, he's a lot older than than you. But uh, did you go to a lot of games? Did you did you meet these dudes? Did, I mean, they were winning cups left and right. I mean. Was that? Oh yeah, when I was a kid, I did a commercial actually with uh, a, a Franklin's Pizza commercial with uh, <laughs> with Dave Semenko and Kevin Lowe. I'll never nice, forget. Nice, nice. I, I still have it on on VHS or Beta or whatever it was back then. I'm a thousand yeah. years old now, but yeah, they, they were always out in the community. Great yep. guys. 
Uh, yeah, Wayne was obviously my favorite player. Mark Messier was a close second, but uh-huh. I knew I'd never play like them. So it was more the Kenny Linsman, the Kelly Buckberger, right, right. and uh, and the Tikkanens that uh, that I thought I could mold myself after. So. Samanka with the permanent five o'clock shadow, looking scary all the time. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, hey, for your career, uh, you broke in with St. Louis, uh, drafted by the Canucks, broke in with St. Louis. And, again, those those teams you talked about, the President's Trophy winning teams and under Quinville, like you step into this situation with these great players, uh, a ton of success, and I imagine you're like, hey, like like going into every night and knowing that you have a really good chance to win must have been pretty awesome as a player. It doesn't happen too often. Those teams were great. Oh, unbelievable. Un- unreal. I mean, I-, I think of my times in St. Louis and – you know, we oftentimes think that we, we wanted to move back to, to St. Louis because it's such an amazing place mm-hmm. uh, to live. And, you know, I, I think also because of, you know, the, the memories that you have of winning every night, the feeling it, you know, of going to the rink every night and knowing you were going to win that game or at least yeah. have a pretty darn good chance. And uh, I was really lucky to, to play on a team like that. I, I fit into a, a role that Joel Quinville put me into, and uh, I played a, a lot of minutes. I played key situations. Um, and uh, I, I felt really valued. And, you know, obviously I drew a lot of penalties, and we had the best power play in the NHL back mm-hmm. then. So I became a, you know, a, it was a popular thing to be an antagonist, to, to go out there and stir the pot. And I think that role has kind of been taken out of the game nowadays. Um, but it was, uh, it was it was hot back then. It was a ton of fun. How about your first year? You only played two games, but Fear was on that team, and so was, like, Jeff Gortnell. And you were just like, Wow. I know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Grant Fuhrer was was my. Uh, You're staring at him in the corner. You're staring at him oh, in the yeah. corner. <laughs> oh yeah. I just I was just uh, just creeping him out in the locker room. Right. I, was, I love you. You know, getting pictures. You know, like <laughs> autographs. He's like, would you leave me alone? I just want to play hockey. I know. You're a teammate now. No, but it, he was he was awesome. I mean, uh, it, it was pretty special to be a, a part of that team. Al McKinnis, Chris Prong, sure. Pierre Turgeon. I mean, Keith Kachuk eventually came. Yep. Doug. Wait, I mean the li- the list goes on. They had some talent. It's such a shame that we never won. Uh, yeah, never you know, a Stanley Cup there. We with the teams that we had, we won the President's Trophy. Mm-hmm. No one was even close. And then we lose in the first round to the San Jose Sharks in Game Seven at home. I'll never forget it. It was completely, mm-hmm. completely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, really, right? The and and there was three, four years, um, even if you weren't President's Trophy teams, where you're like, these guys, they they they, they can't make, they can't break through. You know, they just they can't get through that uh, that hump where you're like, these guys should be Goal way better. Them. Yeah. Yeah, we we talked about it earlier. Yeah. I mean, goaltending. You don't have goaltending, you're, you're only going to go so far. And mm-hmm. We just didn't uh, didn't didn't have it at the time, or we just didn't get the goaltending. I mean, we had Chris Osgood. He played for us, and uh, mm-hmm. you know the the next year he left, went to Detroit, and won another Stanley Cup. But we just <laughs> couldn't get it done with him. Couldn't get it done with Roman Turek, Grant Fuhr. I mean, the the list goes on. It was yeah. just a it was just a struggle. Don't you ever talk bad on Fuhr, though, Nasher. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I know, I, I know, I know. I'll never forget it. My first year playing with those guys, it was uh, what an what an experience. I'll never forget those first two games I played that year too. It was pretty pretty exciting. So. Um, you got shipped off to Phoenix after that, and again, that's where you, you know you started putting roots down and everything else. And then Toronto after that. Uh, although you never played for the Leafs, but you got to, you got traded again for that. When you left the Blues, were you did you know that was kind of coming? Did did they tell you? Were you like, hey, what, what, I like I want to stay here? Were you? Well, I, I was shocked, to yeah. be honest. I, yeah. I was completely shocked. I, I'll never forget it. 
You know, it was, uh, I think, right before the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, but I didn't get a call from Larry Plow at the time. I got a call from Shane Doan. <laughs> Shane's like, hey, you're coming to Phoenix. I love it. I'm like, what are you talking yeah. about? I'm not coming to Phoenix. I don't have a, I don't have a holiday plan. He's like, you, you got traded, dude. I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? I'm like, oh, my God. I, like, was in complete shock. Oh, man. And then, uh, yeah. then I got a call from Wayne Gretzky. Um, and Mike Barnett, who was a GM yep. at the time, and then eventually I got a call from Larry Plo. And, uh, but <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I was I was shocked. I was I didn't know what to think at the time, just because you know I knew Phoenix was uh, you know not in the same place that St. Louis was as far as winning goes. But mm-hmm. you know I was looking for a, a new opportunity and uh, and more more ice time, more responsibility as things you know kind of winded down in uh, in St. Louis. And mm-hmm. um, I was sad to leave, though. I'll tell you that. Yeah, yeah, really, right. Um, the game nowadays is different. You may you, you talked about that earlier in this in this podcast on the Paul Pocky show with Tyson Nass, by the by the way. Um look, you weren't Semenko, you weren't Probert, but you weren't scared to throw him, um uh throw him, throw the gloves down and go at it and, and do whatever you can to get under the skin of other players, other stars. It's gone away from that recently. And I've done a lot of these podcasts with guys that you know that once played and not everybody's happy about the way the game is. Look, the the nineteen seventies and eighties bench clearing brawls, I think we can all agree that those are it's probably fine that those are gone entertainment purposes maybe not but um but the game is different now and not everybody's a pumped pumped on that the way it's go the way it's going a little bit feel like there should be some guys um you know keeping people in place and 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 all that well how do you feel about that where are you at with the state of the game well i think that i'm probably the minority in, in that obviously you've seen the way the game has grown i mean you got a team uh, in las vegas now so mm-hmm. Uh, the game continues to grow. The TV market is, is huge. Um, everyone's watching. Um, so there's a lot of people out there that, uh, that love the product. And, and I do. I, I love the product for the most part. I love mm-hmm. uh, how it's getting back to, you know, more offensive, um, you know, the speed and the skill of these young kids. You, you never had young kids playing back then. I mean, if you were 18, that was a phenomenon. Now yeah, 18 yeah. is no big deal. And these 18-year-olds are, are you they're know, amazing. <laughs> having success. Yeah, they're having yeah. success as well. You, you needed to have man strength. You had, you had to be at least 24, 25 <laughs> in order to break in and handle the clutching and grabbing of the NHL of, of old. But mm-hmm. I, do miss the, I do miss the fighting. Um, I miss it for the entertainment purposes. Uh, I think there's a, a lot of guys that, that run around and, and take liberties. And, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the fighting is, is, you know, obviously gone away. You're lucky if you see a fight every uh, every couple games. And, That's crazy, right? Um, it's really nuts. Yeah, it is. I, it is. But then I say that, and then on one other hand, I got a, I got a kid playing hockey. And I'm mm-hmm. like, you know what? I can tell you, I used to have to change my shorts, you know, before every, every game because – I was scared out of my mind going into every game, right, knowing right. that I had to fight somebody, somebody because yeah. of the role I had. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Joel Quinville came to me and said, you've got to be the most hated guy in the league. Can you do that? In order to stay here, you've you got to be the most hated man <laughs> in hockey. And I'm like, yeah, I'll do whatever ever it takes. Well, that wasn't my personality. I'm a happy, positive, yeah. happy-go-lucky guy. And now all of a sudden I'm – you know, causing, you know, all this trouble on the ice. And I, I knew there was a lot of nights I had to, I had to fight. I asked three, four times a night to fight. Yeah. And eventually you have to say yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's just a, it's a sick feeling for people that never played hockey. It's kind of like if you ever got in a fight at school, it's like, you know, you, a confrontation starts yeah. and, during the day at school and, and you set a time after school when the, the bell goes, we're fighting in the right. parking lot. Right. Well, that's the sickest feeling. That's what I felt like every single night 
and every day, all day before the game started. That sick feeling. Of, Damn, of really, huh? Jeez. Yeah. You know. Yeah, that's not fun. That's well, not... I wasn't tough. So, <laughs> you know. um, it would have helped if I was tough. Then, then I wouldn't worry. Yeah, you'd be all right. Uh, I just uh, I don't like the fights uh, when someone hits has a clean hit, you know, and, and you yeah. automatically got to drop the gloves. I hate that about the game right now. But there's times where, yeah, absolutely, I don't mind a scrap when emotions are high and things naturally happen. Face-off yeah. drops and all that. I'm just I'm over that as a fan, you know. It's like, come on, guys. You're just wasting time now. But there yeah. should be more in there as far as emotion goes. I'm okay with all that, you know. So. Yeah, I, I agree. I can't stand it, too. I mean, you lay somebody out, hey, it's a clean hit. Yeah. Come come get me back. Try and hit me back. You know, eventually, yeah, if I do it a couple more times, then, then we fight. Right. You know, then, it, then it's different. But, yeah, I, you love the emotion of it. You love when guys get fired up and, and fights start that way. But I also loved when you knew the heavyweights were coming to town. I played with Tony Twist. Oh, God. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and you knew. Yeah. And you knew. Reed Lowe as well. And, and you knew that. You know, uh, Stu Grimson was coming to town, or Bob Prober was coming right. to town, or Rob Ray. You knew you were going to see one. And those guys didn't hate each other. Yeah. It's just when they stepped on the ice, everybody got on the edge of their seat. Yeah, it was yeah. another reason to get excited yeah. and watch these guys just, just you know, punch in the face contest, just pound <laughs> each other, pound away. It was, it was, it was awesome. Yeah, no, there's, there's a, there's a spot for it for sure. And I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure it's hundred percent needs to go away the way that, I mean, it might just go away via, you know, lawsuits and things like that. It has to go, you know? Yeah. So yeah, concussions and all yeah, the yeah. issues with the, the players. I mean, it, it's on the way out. I, I can, I can tell you that much. Yep. It's, um, it's not going to be for long. Before we let you go here on the on the podcast, and thanks again for your time today. Uh, best player you ever played with? Is there one that stands out? I mean, you played with a lot of guys. You named some of them. Um, I got Chris Pronger. Pronger, yeah. No, I don't even have to. I don't even have to think about it. I I really don't. Um, you know, he. Uh, thought you were going to say Ray. Nothing. I thought you were going to say Ray, but I guess not. <laughs> he he was an unreal competitor. This guy just. I mean, he was a difference maker. Yep. There's a lot of players that are good. This mm-hmm. guy makes a difference. You look at what he, you know, what he did in St. Louis, uh, the leadership, the, the Norris trophies mm-hmm. that he won, the, you know, the scoring titles for defense. I mean, this guy, he was mean as they came, and you, you feared him. When you stepped on the ice, I'll never forget playing against him for the first time. Yeah. I was like, oh, my God, where's Chris Pronger? I know I don't have to fight him, but <laughs> right. he's going to hack me. He's going to cross-check yeah. me in the teeth. He's going to do something. Yeah. That And he could hurt you offensively he was he was that good and um you look at everywhere he went he goes to anaheim uh or sorry he went to to edmonton Edmonton, they won the uh the stanley cup finals in game seven goes to anaheim the next year wins the stanley cup and same thing with with philadelphia he almost got him a cup there too so and phenomenal phenomenal passer yeah yeah passing was phenomenal from his end tape to tape all the time just amazing right like yeah um, first pass in the game yeah yeah. uh toughest guy you fought or you went against a guy that scared you. You talked a little bit about twist and those guys, but um, is there another guy that stood out or, or a guy? Oh man. Yeah. I, I, you know what? I fought some tough guys and a lot, <laughs> you know, not by choice. I, I can tell you that. Yeah. Um, but I'll never forget the biggest beating I took was, uh, was, uh, was Stumple. Uh, uh, Joseph know, old, Stumple? Uh, old, or uh, sorry, Stevie Thomas. Oh, Stevie Stumpy, Thomas. Stumpy, right. Toronto guy. Yeah, Stumpy. <laughs> Joseph Stumple. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, Stumpy. That Stumpy. was his name. And I had, I had no idea. Dude, he's like five ten. He's he's short. He's not a big guy. I know. I 
I had no idea, no idea. And if you're a Toronto fan, you know how tough this guy yeah, was. But, yeah. Uh, I remember Jamal Mayers telling me afterwards, he goes, oh, my God, what were you doing? You know, like, and the guy was like 41 at the time. And I was running around. He was playing for Chicago. And I think I had, I had separated uh, Bob Probert's shoulder earlier in the game. And I was doing my thing. And at the end of the game, we were up 6-1. And he goes, hey, we're going. I don't care if you drop the gloves or not, I'm going to pound, pound your face. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Absolutely, old man. This will be a perfect end yeah, of the night. let's do it. So we drop the gloves, the buckets. And he hits me with about eight left before I even knew where I was. My nose is on the side of my face. It's in St. Louis, by the way, right in front of our bench. I was bleeding from every orifice in my face. And I was, yeah. Uh, The old uh, man. I was was pretty embarrassed. Yeah, the old man. He goes, how's it feel to get beat up by your father? (laughs) Your dad. Oh, wow, I didn't know. Um, we laugh about it today when I see him. Yeah, really, right? Yeah, he works for, oh, no, he just got let go by Tampa Bay. So I don't know what he's doing now, but he was working for for, for Lightning, I think. Um, uh, I read in your in your bio you're a huge Tragically Hip fan, as am I. Uh, I went up um, to Vancouver to watch the last tour. Did you get up at all? Did you see it? I, you know what? I, I did not. Unfortunately, I, uh, I'm, I missed it all. It's the, the saddest thing. Yeah. It absolutely breaks my heart when I, when I think about it. I get it all choked up. Yeah, yeah, no, no doubt. It's tough. Well, yeah, and there's maybe going to be a U.S. tour, but who knows, you know? So, um, yeah, yeah, bummer. Bummer deal for that, no doubt about it. Terrible. Um, so well, sad. Well, hey, Tyson Nash, thank you for your time today uh, for the podcast. I really appreciate it. Just to hit you up on Twitter. And uh, so, yeah, I appreciate the response and everything else. Fans have been uh, asking me to do it. And um, great job with, the, with everything going on with the Coyotes. And, yeah, team on the rise, I think, um, very shortly. So uh, thanks again for your time. Thank you. Appreciate it. Fun as always. All right. Thanks, Nick. See you. See you, bud.